DBE Unfiltered, DBE Diverse Business Elite Magazine's premier podcast. We bring you the voices of today's renowned societal leaders and community stakeholders who contribute to making a difference talking about what they do, how they got there, and what they're thinking about in this sometimes controversial world of diversity, inclusion, and race relations. In this episode, my questions were, you said it isn't recession, it's a reset. What does that mean for young people like me? We talked to DBE future leaders, Kevin McNeil, 16 years, and Carrington McNeil, 14 years of Virginia, Talford Hayden Jr. attending MBU, and Cameron Mwawanda, 16 years of Texas. DBE future leaders conduct an interview with Chairman John Bryant of Operation Hope. Bryant carved out time of his challenging schedule to share with these four students his thoughts and why he works tirelessly to make financial literacy a staple in the underserved communities. Um, My name is Talford. I'm from Richmond, Virginia originally, and I'm a junior in college. Um, First, I want to start by saying how we really want to express our gratitude and express to you how honored we are to be able to do this interview. The four of us have read your bio and we've seen all the great things you have accomplished and we're thankful. So what do you think is the greatest challenge for these leaders who may not grasp the the theory of being focused and having a set vision? In my mind, when building leaders, it comes down to what I call my model, which is a man is measured by the impact he leaves on his fellow brothers and his community. In other words, every day you gotta get up and ask yourself, what impact am I going to have on humanity and my fellow brothers today? I do believe that in the end, you're going to be measured by the impact you have on your humanity and your fellow brothers. Every day I ask, what impact am I on the wall? What impact am I making on humanity? And that's what motivates me. I want to take whatever blessing or talents I may have to try and help our brothers and sisters achieve and fulfill their destiny. We'd like to start by letting you know that you have been selected to be featured on the cover of DBE Diverse Business Elite Magazine, where excellence and exceptional meet. As you know, it's a magazine that highlights and champions the commitment of our nation's top leaders, cooperations, educators, and policymakers who are dedicated to positive change, diversity, and inclusive initiatives. The DBE elite team put a great deal of thought into who they like to grace each cover, and they always select an individual whose qualities, professionalism, and drive um, make them a true world lead. So I think the first question I should ask is, what makes you a DBE Diverse Business Elite Magazine, World Elite, and what is your leadership style? How I see myself. I'm God's child. Uh, I try to be comfortable in my own skin. I try to be about what I have to give, not what I have to get. Uh, I try to be about relationships, not about transactions. Uh, I try to prove 
that you can have a win-win business model. It does not have to be win-lose. It could be win-win, which goes back to the comment about relationships over transactions. Uh, I believe that you can be a capitalist and be a contributor and make the world a better place, basically. So essentially, my business plan or my business model is unleashing untapped human capital at scale. That's, that's what I'm about. Unleashing, like you, like I'm looking at right now, untapped, unleveraged human capital at scale. Finding that human capital, nurturing it, refining it, and introducing it to the world in a way where you benefit and society benefits too. Win, win. Um, I also believe that we're sitting in a moment of uh, history, and I believe that, that I call it social justice through an economic lens. So I think that we're dealing with social justice issues, but it's no longer the leaders of 70 years ago that you're reading about in the history books were dealing with a movement in the business suites, sorry, movement in the streets, the public streets. Today we're dealing with a movement in the business suites. It's from issues of race and the color line of the 1960s civil rights to issues of class and poverty, or what I call civil rights. Uh, so it's, it's an economic movement, it's an economic opportunity for all. And I consider myself a uh, positive disruptor, disrupting the old status quo, the old way of doing things, and introducing a new way to do those same things, a way focused on opportunity. So first reconstruction during the slavery period after slavery was freedom. Second reconstruction was access. <clears throat> Third reconstruction right now is opportunity. And if you want to, you want to give me a name or an identity or whatever, I guess you call me an opportunity leader. I also hear that you speak a lot about hope, and we can all sense the passion as you speak. Um, as you share your story, can you name someone who had a tremendous impact on you as a leader when you were a kid? My late teenage years, um, probably more like my early 20s, was Ambassador Andrew Young and Quincy Jones. In my teenage years, these names would not be household names to you. Uh, but my mother, Juanita Smith, told me she loved me every day of my life. Nothing more powerful than a child being told they're loved. A gentleman who gave me my first real corporate job or corporate opportunity, Stephen Cotter Miller, uh, and another guy who introduced me to him named Dave Amara, who invested in my first, he was my first uh, legitimate uh, major investor in, well, I, I didn't know what major was that, at that time, but it wasn't my mother, it wasn't my uncle, it wasn't somebody who was doing me a favor. This was somebody who, was, who looked at my business, and looked at me and looked at the business idea I had and decided to invest in me. His name was Dave O'Mara. Uh, there are many other people, but that's it. That sounds great. I think it's important to have not just one um, leader to look up to, meaning because I have many as well, my own uh, my family and then uh, professors, um, old teachers for high school. So that's great. Um, what advice would you offer a college student who is trying to improve their financial management skills? Give yourself a, a course in financial literacy. Uh, 
um, that, like, like what happened to me. Um, I got a financial literacy course when I was nine years old. Um, a banker came to my classroom and taught me financial literacy and allowed me to reimagine how to legit. Well, I remember I asked him, how do you get rich? What do you do for a living? How do you get rich legally? <laughs> and he said he was a banker and he financed entrepreneurs. And I said, I don't know what an entrepreneur is. No one's ever taught me that word my entire life. But if, if it's legal and you're financing them, I want to be one. And that was I was nine years old. I've had a lot. The reason I hesitated with your question about mentors is, I mean, I've had, I've selected a lot of people to be my mentors. Some people spend a lot of time with me. Some people spend a, lot of, a little time with me. Um, but I, most of them didn't come to me. I, I went and found them and uh, tracked them down and would ask for, you know, 15 minutes every three months or so just to spend some time with them, just role modeling success. That's, that's great. Um, and then next I have, um, why, why do you think it's important to start young to start building financial management skills? Because we, we live in a, in a world that's underneath everything uh, is money, even slavery. Uh, institution of slavery, which is horrible, was about money. War is about money, power, and position in the world. Living your life, being able to go to, to college, you can't do it without money. You can't buy the shirt you're wearing right now without money, actually. You can't talk to me on this video conference without saying, somebody paying a mobile phone bill or the technology bill. Money's all around us, but we don't understand it. I, I think that financial literacy is a civil rights issue of this generation. I think that if Dr. King was alive today, this would be the work he'd be doing. Thank you, that is very much true. It's very much a money is a need in the world time. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, I think the next who we have to ask questions is Cameron. My question for you is, do you feel that the concept of the American dream has changed or changed? And do you feel we're closer to its being available and attainable to everyone? Yes, I do. Um, the American dream, well, we should probably say the American dream for African Americans. Uh, I think it's different for different groups. Uh, American, African Americans for way too long have been in a surviving state of mind versus not a thriving state of mind, not a winning state of mind, not a building state of mind. I'm hoping that you guys are in a in a in a building state of mind, a thriving state of mind. Uh, but African Americans for a longer time have been in a surviving state of mind. It's very hard to be creative or to do anything meaningful or important if you're trying to survive. Slavery, right after the slavery reconstruction period, that was a surviving state of mind. The dream back then was freedom. <laughs> I just want freedom. Want, you know, it was just basic access to, to, uh, to movement. Then in the 1960s, 100 years later, that American dream had morphed it had morphed into access, access to education, HBCUs, access to jobs, access to department stores, access to public facilities. It's be very basic, just trying to get into places that we were denied before. Then it was access to education. You're able to college of your choice, but it wasn't so easy for your parents and your grandparents. 
that wasn't an assumed or it was something you had to fight for. But then access to jobs, and then that became access to to careers. And so the second reconstruction was the record dream was about getting a good job, getting health benefits, getting you know wearing a suit and tie, uh, being part of a structured corporation or government job or some kind of a structured environment. Whereas I think opportunity, I'm sorry, where where I think the American dream now is is closer to uh, to building. It's closer to creation. Uh, it's well, it's about opportunity, and everybody gets to select for themselves what opportunity means for them. Um, what opportunity means for you is probably different than the other gentleman who I've now talked to on the phone. Uh, but you get to pursue it all. And whereas your parents were focused on cashing a check, working for someone else, and maybe exclusively just cashing a check as an employee, you get to be focused, if you want to, on writing checks, not cashing checks, by being a business owner or an entrepreneur. And the second part of that question, um, do you feel that we are closer to it being like available and attainable for everybody? I sort of answered that in uh, the question I just answered in the sense that the American dream is different. It's available, I think, to everybody, but different people are at different phases of their life. And African-Americans are, have been, and poor whites, by the way, and Native Americans have, have been behind the curve of that dream. And while most people in America had the, the ability to pursue business ownership and entrepreneurship um, from 200 years ago, 300 years ago, that really has only been an opportunity for African-Americans real with access to capital and access to true opportunity, I think in in the last generation and generation of, or two, maybe, maybe my generation and, and your parents' generation, um, or your generation and your parents' generation. I'm probably between you and your, parent, your, your parents' generation. So it has been available to everybody, but it's a different dream. By the way, this is a this is an example of a, of a good trait of an entrepreneur or a business person today. You just never, ever, ever give up. <laughs> um, the phone went dead. We had a problem reconnecting. We scheduled, we rescheduled the time and later today, the phone died. I called back in. You just, if you're going to be a success in your generation, you just have to never, ever, 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 ever give up. Can you do that? Yes, sir. Good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So uh, you're asking me a question, was the American dream different uh, for different people or different, sorry. And I said, answer that yes, it is different for different groups. Is it available to everybody? Yes. Uh, are all elements, you didn't answer this question, but I'll answer anyway. Are all elements of the American dream available to everybody now? Um, freedom, access, and opportunity. I think increasingly so, yes, not at the same level. Um, a black man or woman can become a millionaire today uh, with focus and hard work. Um, but my mainstream counterparts are becoming billionaires at the same time. So it's possible and it's doable, but it's different, it's different levels because we were held back for so long. 
Um, my final question is, having written Love Leadership and being such a prominent leader yourself, this was kind of touched on by Talford, who in your life has inspired you with their leadership, either personally or on a larger scale, nationally or globally? Well, I mentioned earlier, Ambassador Andrew Young, uh, big inspiration for me. Um, still an inspiration. I was just with him this weekend. He's 90 years young. <laughs> um, he was uh, the gentleman on that balcony. When Dr. King was assassinated in 1968, he was a strategist in the civil rights movement um, for Dr. King. Um, he's um, been an incredible inspiration for me. Um, and, and he is exactly who you expect him to be. He's as advertised, which is you know very reaffirming. Bishop T.D. Jakes is a friend and an inspiration. Uh, again, you won't know some of these names. Reverend Cecil Chip Murray, Bishop uh, Blake, when I was in South Central LA, um, having to be religious leaders. Quincy Jones, for a long time, was a like a big brother and a mentor. We're not as close now as we used to be. Um, Bill Rogers, CEO of Truist Bank. Doug McMillan, CEO of Walmart. Dan Shulman, CEO of PayPal. John Donahoe, CEO of Nike. Ed Bastian, CEO of Delta Airlines. Um, so there, there are our business leaders, ecumenical leaders, and uh, education, civil rights leaders, uh, uh, God rest her soul, who um, was uh, the only black woman to own a building on Pennsylvania Avenue, National Council of Negro Women. Um, you should do some research on her. You might be inspired by her personally. Um, yes. This is, this is Credit Scott King, of course, Dr. King. This is Credit Scott King, the wife of Dr. King. Without her, would, uh, Dr. King's legacy would have been lost. She did. She didn't get remarried. She worked really hard to maintain his his legacy after he after he was assassinated. Um, there's many more, but those are off the top of my head. Hi. Uh, good evening. I am Kevin McNeil. I am. Hi, Kevin. I'm a junior in high school, and I live in Roanoke, Virginia. Um. My first question is, if you were to implement financial literacy in Title I schools, what would be um, part of your first lesson? That if your outflow exceeds your inflow, then your overhead will be your downfall. I'm joking, but basically, uh, you don't, you don't want to have too much month at the end of your money. Most people run out of month before they run out of money. They run out of money first, uh, or they run out of money before they run out of month, shall I say. They just are living from paycheck to paycheck. Because they don't, no one's ever taught them how there's a difference between making money and building wealth. You make money during the day, you build wealth in your sleep. Uh, owning a home is an example of building wealth. Only 41% of African Americans own a home, as an example. Creating a small business or a business is a way of building wealth. You build wealth in your sleep. Your kind is called compounding. You compound your investments in your sleep. Education is an, is an example of something that compounds. Ropes when you sleep, stocks, bonds, investments. Uh, I would focus. I would tell us to stop focusing so much on making money. Obsessed with, you know, we hear this on every. I want to make this money. I want to get this dollar. I want to get paid. I want to. I want to get. I want to get this moolah. <laughs> Different ways of saying cash. We're obsessed with making money, but we're not focused on building wealth. And and uh, the number one way to build wealth is to own a home. So I would say own where you know, what you where you live. Try to own your home. 41% of African Americans own a home and 74% of whites own a home. 
so there's a huge, that's part of the reason there's a huge gap in wealth inequality. Um, I'd also say decide whether you want to cash a check, be an employee, or write a check, be an employer, own the business. I became a businessman when I was nine, ten years old, and, that, and I'm an entrepreneur today because of it. It's not for everybody. Owning a business and being an entrepreneur is not for everybody, but it, it, it worked really well for me. Um, those are some things I would say right off right off the bat. First, you know, keep a budget. Make sure that what's coming in exceeds what's going out. Uh, understand that everything around you is about money. And if you aren't using money, the money's using you. Um, and the difference between the things I just mentioned making money versus building wealth, writing checks versus cashing checks, ownership, the value of ownership, and starting somewhere, like deciding at, by a certain age you're going to buy a home, maybe even before you get married, maybe certainly before you have children, you want to own a home. Yes, sir. I actually, um, you mentioned budgeting and like how, how do you use budgeting? Like how could somebody who may not have as much be able to, budget and be able to save and do other things with it i thought i used to think that budgeting was only for rich people <laughs> no poor and struggling families need to budget more than anybody else <laughs> because when you've got very little you need to go very when you got very little you need to, to last very long so let's assume you make let's assume you make a hundred dollars a week and if you and so you guys might Make $100 a week in, in a part-time job at school uh, or after school. Make $100 a week, make $40 uh, a month in this example. You're making just under $5,000 or about $5,000 a year in this example. If you go to Starbucks twice a week, three times a week, and you smoke cigarettes, a couple packs of cigarettes um, a week, uh, that's probably going to be like like $60, at least 50. So that means that half of your income every week is going to stupid stuff. Smoking cigarettes will kill you. And Starbucks is a luxury. I mean, you can go get a Keurig machine from Target for a hundred bucks or go get a cheap uh, coffee maker, make coffee at your house. That's what I'm just giving you an example of how we waste money. You, you, you're buying candy every day or whatever, you're not thinking about it. $2 here, $2 there, you don't think it adds up, but you go to buy candy four times and you spend $2.50 each, that's $10. If you're making $100 a week, you just spend 10% of your income on candy. So budgeting is really important to know where your your income and your outlays are going, because there's two ways to make money, make more or spend less. So if you can't make more, you want to do what? Spend less. Spend less. There you go. See, you've already learned a very powerful lesson about budgeting. And also, budgeting helps you stay to live within your means. And when you do that, you'll manage your finances well. And when you do that, you'll get a good credit score. My credit score is 803, which is very high. It's not the highest, but it's very high. But half of African Americans have a credit score, credit score below 620. Which means if you want to get to become a homeowner, uh, 
you need a credit score of at least 680. You want to get a cool car, you need a credit score of at least 620, 630, 640, 650. Otherwise, you're going to get a really horrible interest rate, horrible terms, conditions, lots of down payment. Your credit score is in the 500s. could be horrible. Um, and if you want to start a small business, the banks won't give you a loan for small business below a 700 credit score. All that's impacted by how you manage your money, things like a budget. My last question is, if you know what you know now, when would you have started to implement those things in your life? And what do you think the outcome would have been somewhere between 10 and 15 years? If I knew then what I knew now, <laughs> um, wow. And one of the things that I know now that I didn't know then, we, we spend a lot of time, young people spend a lot of time trying to, trying to impress somebody. We actually don't have any interest in being like I'll say that differently. We're, it's, you know, kids in school or whatever, it was popular or whatever, you know, like they don't have any money. They don't have any wealth. They don't own a home. They don't own a business. They, they can't run a family. They, they don't vote. They don't, you know, a lot of these young people, they're just, they specialize in being cool. <laughs> but cool doesn't, in and of itself, doesn't do anything. So we're trying to impress somebody who's not impressive. We're trying to impress somebody we don't want to really be like. Or put another way, if you hang around nine broke people, you'll be the tenth. So if I had told myself, my 10-year-old, 15-year-old self, something that would benefit me now is don't waste a lot of time trying to be somebody that is really unimportant from a professional. They're important as God's child. But, but as a, a role model for your life, they're unimportant. Um, I would have focused on my business plan and not just my hustle at an earlier age. I would have focused on, I, I was, I was a real good salesman. I was a real, you know, I was all about my idea and uh, I was selling my idea and I was running really fast, but I, but I never took the time to understand how to run a proper business. I would have, taking the time to understand what a balance sheet is, an income statement, what lines of credits are, what credit, credit is, and uh, credit cards, and how banks work. I wouldn't have just focused on the hustle part. I would have focused on the, 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 the tougher parts of being a businessman, uh, the, the, base, the more basic parts of being a businessman, if that makes any sense. It would have, and I think I would have, I would have maybe a, you know, double the net worth that I have today. Uh, hello, uh, my name is Carrington McNeil. I'm a ninth grader and I live in Roanoke, Virginia. My questions were, you said it isn't recession, it's a reset. What does that mean for young people like me? If somebody buys the house uh, or running a business and they're so busy having fun and going out and partying and all that stuff, uh, that they didn't manage the budget. They didn't manage their income statement. They didn't manage their debt levels very well. They didn't take care of their customers. And then one day they, they find out, and then the economy changes and it goes into a reset or a recession. Um, now they don't have a way to solve all those problems. So it's a good business that I'm explaining in this example, but maybe they have to sell it. So that's the, that's the storm. 
if you are somebody who is the person I'm explaining in this example, you become the rainbow after the storm because you can buy a business that they're losing. Somebody's losing a house because they over leverage themselves or they have bad credit or whatever. Uh, you can buy that house because you've got good credit. You've got a job. You've got a career. You've got, you manage your credit well. Uh, you're waiting for that opportunity of somebody. I mean, you're not waiting for somebody to do bad, but you're trying to do good for yourself. Today, I was talking to one of my bankers, and I'll give you a real life example. I've got a, I've got a, a uh, one of my assets is a note. It's a, a note is a uh, obligation called a note, N-O-T-E, a financial note, a promissory note is what they call it. It's a financial obligation that it, that somebody owes somebody else. So, so my company that I sold in December, Promise Homes Company, has a $4 million note, an obligation to me as the seller of the company. They didn't pay me at the time. They said they'll pay me in seven years for this particular part of the company. So I, I called one of my bankers today and I told him that I think that there's going to be uh, a reset, a recession uh, in the next six months. And I think that there'll be people who will unfortunately get caught in that recession and may start losing some assets. And I want to be in a position with this line of credit secured by this note that I've got that I mentioned to you. So that note's $4 million. I want a line of credit of 2 to $3 million against that note guaranteed by my personal guarantee. I want to be able to go and buy assets that are at a discount because somebody is in trouble. They're trying to get rid of it very quickly. They're trying to get some money in very quickly. They sell it for less than it's worth. And I want to take advantage of that um, opportunity. Rainbow after a storm. Reset in the midst of a recession. How would a regular kid like me access Operation Hill? And what benefit does it provide for my generation? Android or iPhone or your iPad and then make an appointment with one of my Hope Financial coaches. It's free. And tell them that you want to become a business owner, maybe. And there's a call, whether we have a financial literacy for young people, or banking our future. So know that. We also have, and it gives you all the curriculum to become financially smart. We also have a Hope Business in a Box Academy that allows you to start a business for as little as a couple hundred dollars. We, we, we provide the money. We provide up to $500 to start a business for some people. Yeah, but you got to go through all the business training before you get the money. And then we'll, we'll make sure you get a bank account as well. So those are a couple of examples of how you can benefit from Operation Hope. It's been very good to listen and hear everything you had to say uh, about the different questions we've thrown at you. Uh, just one last thing to... Um, to sum it up in three words, can you sum up John Bryant? It's been very good to listen and hear everything you had to say uh, about the different questions we've thrown at you. Uh, just one last thing to, um, to sum it up in three words, can you sum up John Bryant? Hustle, hustle, hustle. Resiliency, resiliency, resiliency. Never give up, never give up, never give up. Spiritual power, spiritual power, spiritual power. I know those were not three different words. I said each one three times, but that's the essence of who I am. Uh, I'm God's child. I'm, I'm using his power as my power. I'm, I have belief and faith in my abilities. 
Um, I try to be reasonably comfortable in my own skin because if I don't like me, I'm not going to like you. If I don't feel good about me, I'm not going to feel good about you. If I don't love me, I don't have a clue how to love you. If I don't have a purpose in my life, I'll make your life a living hell, whatever goes around comes around. So being spiritually grounded in yourself is really important. Uh, hustle, never give up. Be curious about everything. Massively interested in education. God gave you two ears and one mouth, so you listen twice as much as you talk. Resiliency means that I take no for vitamins. It means that somebody can tell me no or tell me or just or tell me I'm not approved for a loan or they can tell me whatever they want. But none of that's gonna bother me. I, I just keep going. I never give up. So you can take any part of those of that response and make it turn it into your three words. Again, we truly thank you for your time. Uh, this has been a treat to have to do this with you, and it was a uh, pleasure meeting you. My pleasure. God bless you guys. Take care. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can talk about making a difference, you can take action to make a difference, or you can join DVE in doing both. Until next time, stay blessed and be inspired. DVE.